Thank you, worship team. What a, what a blessing. Let's pause there. God in an earth suit. Have a wonderful week in the Lord. Uh, I am not Scott Kegel, for those of you who don't know. Uh, some of you, I think, were a little confused there. Um, I'm not Scott. I'm Josh Anioho. I'm the high school youth director. Uh, and I have the opportunity to speak to you guys this morning. So thanks for having me, even though I'm not Scott. Uh, Scott, when I told him I was going to do that, he gave me a high five, and then he offered me his watch. So we have a, we have a pretty cool pastor. Uh, he's a good guy. Um, happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. It's good that you guys are here. My mom uh, couldn't be with us this morning. No, she's not dead. Um, she, uh, she lives in Chicago, and uh, she couldn't make it out here, but she is the best. She's the best mom in the world. I love her to death. Um, I have a story for you guys uh, so you can get to know my mom a little bit better. Um, my house was always the house growing up. It was always the house. Uh, I would come home from basketball practice. I would come home from, from school sometimes, and there would be my friends hanging out at my house, talking with my parents. Uh, they were the coolest parents in the world. They still are the coolest parents in the world. Uh, but here's a good story about my mom, so you can get to know her a little bit better. Um, summer of 2002, I had finished my junior year of high school, and uh, me and one of my buddies were out in, in the pool in the backyard, and uh, my mom was out in the, in the backyard doing some yard work, and dressed in whatever she wears to do yard work, but fully clothed. And uh, she, uh, she was out there doing work. And I don't know what kind of game we were playing in the pool, some sort of basketball game, and we must have splashed her. And she said, guys, don't you let that happen again. Otherwise, I'm going to come in there after you. Obviously, she was messing around. She was just a, a funny lady. And my, my friend, Ryan, he looks at me and he goes, I'm going to splash her. So... Sure enough, he splashes her with water, and my mom, without skipping a beat, she walks up the deck, jumps in the pool, dunks my friend, and then gets out and says, you don't mess with the mama. That was like her favorite tagline, you don't mess with the mama. I know that. That is ingrained in my head. I do not mess with my mother. Uh, but she is a funny, funny lady. I love her to death. Um, and that's kind of where I get a little bit of my sense of humor from, too. Um, today, we are going to be continuing on in our series going through the book of Titus. We're going to be in Titus 2, verses 1 through 6. You can go ahead and flip there. That would be awesome. If you don't have a Bible with you, go ahead and, and grab one out of the chair in front of you. And if you don't own a Bible, you can go ahead and take that one home with you. How about that? How about that? Uh, so we're in Titus 2, 1 through 6. Pastor Scott, trust me with a pretty great passage this morning, if I do say so myself. It's the perfect passage for Mother's Day. Perfect passage for Mother's Day. Do you guys know that there are plenty of Titus II women's groups, plenty of, two, of Titus II women's studies uh, around the country? Um, a large portion of this text that we're going to be looking at is directly for women and mothers specifically. Uh, the other side of that, so that's a couple of the verses that we're going to look through. The other side of that is there are a number of, of uh, verses 
for men. So hopefully we will get your men whipped into shape today. That is the plan. Uh, this is a great passage, not just for Mother's Day, but it's a great passage just in general. Uh, super specific, super practical, which are two things that we're always looking for in Scripture. Man, I wish Scripture was practical. I wish it was specific. Well, this morning, it is super specific, super practical, uh, and it's a great report card for, for this question. Is there harmony between the doctrine that we believe and the way that we live our lives? Uh, I have a confession for you guys this morning. This is a good way to start off with a story and then a confession. I like the show American Idol. I do. Uh, any other American Idol fans out there? A couple. Uh, although I'm not like a true, full-blown American Idol fan, I really just like the first half of the show. Um, the second half, once it actually gets into the singing competition, I kind of check out a little bit. Um, but for those of you who don't know the show, aren't too familiar with it, it's a show to find some of the best solo artists in the country. And what they do is they start off with an audition process, and they audition thousands and thousands of people. And they narrow it down to like the best 300 or so, and they bring those 300 to Hollywood Week. In Hollywood Week, they put them through a week-long, super intense, trying to you know, weed out the best from the best. And then they get down to the last like 20 or 30, and those are the people that are actually on the show. My favorite part of the show is Hollywood Week. Favorite part of the show is Hollywood Week. That's always when there's the most drama. I love drama. I don't know why. I don't love my own drama. I don't love like my friend's drama, but I love other people's drama on TV. <laughs> I don't know why, but I do. I do. There's always the best drama. Um, and in particular, my favorite night is the group round. Now, like I said, the whole competition is based on solo artists, but this one night, they do a group round. And the group round is, you have to pick your team of about four or five different singers, you pick a song, and then you have to come up with your own harmonies, figure out your own little performance, and then you performance, perform it the next morning. So these teams are up all night, people are getting crazy, people are getting angry, it's awesome. Um, <laughs> and then they have to perform, they have to perform their, their whatever they've come up with. Inevitably, what makes or breaks these groups is how they perform their harmonies on stage, how they perform their harmonies on stage. When a group gets it right, everybody's ears perk up, hair on their neck stands up, get goosebumps, uh, goosies as J-Lo likes to call them. Um, when I hear a good harmony, it gives me the chills gives me the chills. Everybody loves to hear a great harmony. Um, so today, what we're going to look at, as you can see, I titled my message, The Harmony of Sound Doctrine. There should be a beautiful harmony between the doctrine that we believe and how we live our lives. We need to, one, we need to practice this harmony. We need to live it out. And two, we need to sing it. We need to sing this harmony. We need to pass it on. We need to train the next generation. Christians today, we are not lacking in zeal for our doctrine. We're not lacking in zeal for our doctrine. Look at the news. Look at social media. Look at our entertainment. We are passionate about our doctrine, super passionate. You see debates. You see arguments. You see fights on Facebook. You see it 
between friends, between strangers, between church leaders. We're super passionate about our doctrine. We really are. The question is, are we living it out? Are we living out our doctrine? Is there a beautiful harmony there? Or do we sound more like an eliminated American Idol group? So how do we practice? How do we live out our doctrine? Paul tells Titus here in Titus 2, verse 1. We're going to start there. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Now, what accords with sound doctrine? We're going to stop there. I know I'm going to get my Scott Kegel on. We're going to stop there. What accords with, with sound doctrine? If you're here two weeks ago, you heard Pastor Scott talk about that word accords. That word accords means partners with or aligns with. And, and Paul here says, I'm about to tell you what partners with sound doctrine. I'm about to tell you what living out sound doctrine is. And it's this. Men live like this. Women live like this. Um, as we get here into the specific and practical list that Paul gives to Titus, um, I think it's interesting to note that these lists are less about how we act and more about who we are. Less about how we act and more about who we are. It's less about the outside of the SUV, more about the inside of the SUV. It's also important to note that it's less about perfection and being perfect, and it's more about progress, more about becoming more and more like these lists, becoming more and more like these lists. Men, we're going to start with you. Who was here two weeks ago, men? Anybody? Uh, Does anybody remember that list that Pastor Scott read? It was addressed to elders and to overseers. That was at the beginning of of Titus 1. Um, The list went something like this, above reproach, not arrogant, holy. How many of you are glad that you're not elders or overseers when when you got that list a couple weeks ago? Yeah. Well, your guys' list is here. This is for all men, so yay. We're going to start with the older men. We're going to start with our, with our base section, if you will. <clears throat> um, so today we're going to go through older men, younger men, older women, young women. I'm going to go ahead and let you classify yourselves, whatever uh, category you think you're in. Um, if you don't know what group you're in, chances are you're in the older group. Um, if you want a second opinion, go ahead and ask the person next to you. You could do that. Um, whatever you do, do not ask the high school students. They've been telling me I'm old for a year, so don't ask them. You're not going to get a good answer. Um, okay, so we're moving on. We're in verse 2. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. First, number one, sober-minded. I feel like every good sermon should have a Greek or Hebrew word, so I'm going to give you the Greek word for sober-minded. It is nephalios. And that word, pretty simple. Don't get drunk. Pretty simple. Don't get drunk. It's interesting to note what also goes along with that word nephalios is to avoid extravagance and avoid overindulgence. How are we doing in those? Two, dignified. Three, self-controlled. Four, sound in faith. Look deeper into the word faith. 
Older men, does this, does this describe your faith? Have you learned in the past tense that God indeed can be trusted? Are you to the point where you don't question his wisdom, his power, or his love? Are you unwavering? Six years ago, I moved out to L.A. Uh, from Chicago in faith. Uh, I felt God was just calling me to move out here and be a part of a church plant, and I came. And it's been crazy. It's been a crazy ride. It's been crazy to see God provide financially and otherwise just every step of the way. Um, I moved out here for the church plant and knew that the church couldn't pay me, but knew I was supposed to come. And I just trusted that God was going to provide what I needed when I needed it. And it's, like I said, it's been crazy. God provided for a long time in just about three or four month increments. And he said, Josh, you're doing this for three or four months and provided income for three or four months. And then that would end. And I had no idea what I was going to do. And then God provided for another three or four months. And it was crazy to see how many times God came through. And it was crazy to see how many of these times one job ended and the next job picked up the very next day. You can't, you can't explain that other than God just providing. These past six years have grown my faith and just learning that God indeed can be trusted has grown my faith immensely. Um, and I really hope that the next 30 years make me unwavering. I really do. Sound in faith. Number five, sound in love. Six, sound in steadfastness. I thought this was interesting. The word steadfastness is a Greek military word to mean hold up courageously under fire, to hold up courageously under fire. Steadfastness, to be faithful despite hardship, disappointment, or failure. Older men, does this list describe you? For those of you that it does, thank you. Thank you so much. Coming from a younger man, we desperately need older men who are going before us and showing us the way. We desperately need it. We're watching and we notice, so thank you. I, uh, I personally, I love when scripture gives us these kind of lists. I love the practicality of it. Uh, I think it's, it's so nice to just have something practical. Um, I also, I'm kind of weird. I kind of like having my butt kicked a little bit. Like, Josh, you stink. Like, kick your butt a little bit. I, I enjoy it. Um, so I was really looking forward to this young men's section uh, as I was going and starting to prepare. So young men, we're going to skip to you. I know that's down in verse 6. You guys can follow with me. Verse 6. <clears throat> Likewise, urge. Now, I wanna, we made it two words. I'm stopping us again. Uh, urge, that word it means to strongly entreat. Emphasis is added. I don't know why, but in my brain, when I hear Paul saying this to Titus, I kind of hear it in a pirate's voice, kind of like, <laughs> urge. Um, don't know why. Don't know why. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, urge, in your best pirate voice. Do it. That's good. That's good. Okay. Likewise, urge. Okay. Emphasis. Emphasis. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Self-controlled, meaning to control physical passions, resist worldly attractions. To control physical passions and resist worldly attractions. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled, 
period. Just one? That's it? I told you, I was kind of looking forward to, to this list. Um, only one. And at first I was like, is this just because the male brain, like we're pretty simple-minded, I can only handle doing one thing at a time? I really can. I can only do one thing at a time. But then I got to thinking, it makes sense. This self-controlled thing for younger men is of ultimate, ultimate importance. Ultimate importance. I would suggest that the biggest potential downfall of young men in the church is a lack of self-control. Unfortunately, I feel like I'm hearing about a new infidelity in the church every month. I feel like it's happening all the time. David, a man after God's own heart, the studliest dude in the entire Bible. I mean, he killed a giant, like the studliest guy in the entire Bible. And what tripped him up? Lack of self-control. Gentlemen, we should be controlling our bodies, not the other way around. And this doesn't just go for lust. This is not just lust. How are we doing with anger? How are we doing with the words that come out of our mouths? How are we doing with pride? How are we doing with just our competitive spirit? Guys, I get it. I was out here playing basketball a couple weeks ago, and Pastor Scott hit like 39 threes in my face. And he, they won a couple of games in a row, and I was losing. And like I feel like it just building, just building inside. I feel like the, I, I told him this. I was like, feel like the Incredible Hulk is trying to come out like this. Ugh! And uh, but, gentlemen, we need to learn how to keep the Hulk inside. We need to try to learn how to keep the Hulk inside. One of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. Uh, guaranteed top three for me is Hebrews 12, 4. In your struggle against sin, you've not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. I have never resisted anything to the point of shedding my blood. Young men, we can resist harder. We can resist harder. Stop falling to that same sin over and over again. Stop falling to it over and over again. Men, we can resist harder. Young men, we should be the ones that are leading the charge, not getting tripped up over and over again. We can resist harder. The self-control thing is, is not just for the younger men. It's kind of a recurring theme. If you look back to the list for older men, self-control was in there. If you look ahead to the list for young women, self-control is in there. And as you'll see as we move forward to older women, it's not explicitly said, but there's definitely a self-control piece there as well. I, uh, I have a practical challenge, a practical help for you guys if self-control is something that you struggle with. And obviously, self-control is something that we all need to have under control. Here's a practical thing that's helped me immensely. And that is fasting from food. Fasting for food, from food. And two reasons why it's so good in helping us with self-control. The first reason why it's so good in helping us with self-control is one, when you're fasting, hopefully you're spending time with God. Hopefully you're spending time getting closer to God. The closer you get to God, the farther you're going to be away from sin. That's number one. But number two is just a physical thing. Your body wants food. Your body wants food. 
And when you fast, when you don't give your body food, it craves food more and more. You can not listen to your body. You cannot eat for a day and you'll make it. Um, I've learned and seen that when I fast, I get some sort of control over my body. It's not in control of me. Practical tool if you're looking for one. Um, like I said, we're, we're moving on to the older women next, and you'll see that self-control piece in there. So women, let's move on to you. It is Mother's Day after all. Verse 3. <clears throat> older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, Working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. We'll start with our older women, our, our alto section. I don't know how my mom is going to feel about me classifying her in with the older women, but I'm going to. Um, she is amazing. She's an incredible example of this older women's section. And so we're going to go through it. The first one is reverent or an example of holiness. My mom is an incredible, incredibly reverent example of holiness. Uh, that woman is in the Word. She's in her Bible study every single day. I can't remember a day where she's not spending not just five, ten minutes, but spending significant time in the Word every day. Two, not slanderers, not a gossiper. My mom is not a gossiper. It's actually pretty cute um, how she stops herself, at, and it's also very impressive but she can sense herself starting to gossip, and then she'll do this, mm, no. Mm. She, does, she makes this noise, this, mm. I'm not going to say it. And, and the, the cool thing about my mom is that she actually doesn't say it. She doesn't just like, I'm not going to say it. And then, but let me tell you, like, let me tell you a little bit more. She doesn't do that. Like, she stops it and then doesn't say it. She doesn't imply it. She doesn't say it. She stops. Um, incredible example of not gossiping. Number three, not a slave to much wine. Uh, and this is kind of the self-control piece for, for older women. Not a slave to much wine. My mom has no problem with this. My mom does not drink. Uh, she doesn't see any need for it, doesn't like it, doesn't touch it. The one time I have ever seen her take a sip of alcohol in my entire life, and yes, I'm going to tell you the story. It's Mother's Day, uh, was last summer. We were on vacation in St. Martin. And we were on the French side of the island. We went out to a, a fancy restaurant one of the nights, had dinner. And after dinner, they brought around an after-dinner shot. And everybody just assumed my mom wasn't going to have it, but she decided to have her fancy after-dinner We were shocked, absolutely shocked. Like, shocked to the point where, of course, we all get our cell phones out, and we're going to take pictures. <laughs> this is the first time I'm witnessing this. This is unreal. So what do I have for you? I have some pictures. I have some pictures. Mom, I love you. I do. Um, so I'm going to show you some pictures. This is good. So first picture, there's my mom looking like a heathen. Okay. She takes a sip. Okay. And then we'll move on to the initial reaction. Boom. Cannot handle it. And then my favorite picture I think I've ever seen of my mother in my entire life. Genuine reaction. Genuine reaction. My mom does not drink alcohol. 
My mom does not drink. The best part of these three pictures, again, I'm sorry, mom. She's going to watch this video later. Um, the best part is that if you see the shot glass, she drank like the little top sip and didn't even get close to coming halfway through finishing it. it that, that's the reaction after just a little tiny sip. Yeah, so not a slave to much wine, not a problem for my mom. Thank you for letting me share those pictures. <laughs> I, I think so. Uh, not a slave to much wine. And four, teach what is good. Uh, ever since I can remember, my mom has, has been a teacher of what is good to my brother, my sister, and I. Always as long as I can remember. And still to this day, she sends me emails and texts and devotionals um, j- just talking about what God's doing in her and sending, yeah, teaching, teaching me what is good. What's been really cool is now to see her kind of, she has always done a great job with her children, to see her kind of branching out. Uh, there's a young woman that just moved in and is renting a room at, at my parents' house, and it's been really neat to see my mom take her in as, as another daughter and, and train her up. It's been cool to see her at her church training the young women at her church. And that is, that's the next part of it. After we practice it, after we live it out, we need to sing it. We need to pass it on. We need to train the next generation. Uh, and you can see that there in the scripture, in, right in between verses 3 and 4. Older women there to teach what is good and so train the young women. And so train the young women. Uh, I have with me here a, a Rubik's Cube. Uh, can anybody in here do a Rubik's Cube? Yeah, these things are, are pretty crazy. I always wanted to learn how to do it for the longest time. Ever since I saw one and saw it done, I wanted to be able to learn how to do this. And these things are hard. They're hard. Uh, not easy, not obvious at all. And there was absolutely no way I was ever going to figure it out on my own. One day, a friend comes over and she says, I learned how to do a Rubik's Cube. Somebody at school taught me how to do a Rubik's Cube. I know how to do it. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. You have to teach me right now. And so she did. She started, she started teaching me how to do it. Um, here's the thing is, is what she had to do in order for me to learn, she had to tell me how to do it, what the moves were, where I needed things positioned, what, what the specifics right, left, up, top, bottom but that wasn't good enough. Like I needed to see her do it. I needed to see her move it in the way that it needed to be moved. And then she needed to tell me, and then I needed to try. And then I needed to see her again. And then I needed to try over and over again. I was, there was no way I was going to figure it out on my own. I needed to see it done. I needed to see it modeled. Young men and young women today, we need to see it done. We need to see it modeled, this Christian life, this harmony between what we believe and, and how we live. We need to see it modeled. I, uh, I really enjoyed the love and respect class that, that, that ABF offered a couple months ago. It was a, a marriage class. It was, it was really neat. Uh, Lindsay and I went and checked that out. We are not married, no, uh, but we're moving that direction and just wanted to gather some wisdom, which we got a lot of. And it was really cool to be in there with all the older married couples who have been there before, done this, done that, and to just hear their wisdom. But the coolest part of it was seeing the transparency and 
seeing just honesty and real life, like this is what we struggled with in our marriage. This is something that we went through. This is how we got through it. And seeing that was incredible, was absolutely incredible. It started some really good and awesome and necessary conversations for Lindsay and I, just as we're trying to figure out our relationship and how we want to be um, in marriage in the future. Um, So older men, older women, older couples, grab a younger man, grab a younger woman, grab a younger couple, maybe not like creepily, but like somebody that you have a a relationship with, um, (laughs) that you have a relationship with and, and like invest, like really invest, like pour in, like bring them in to your stuff and be like, this is how it's done. This is how we did it. This is like, this is what we're going through. This is how we saw it done. Do that. We need that. Young men, young women, young couples, we need that. And even though we might seem standoffish and think we're really cool, like we want that. We want to be invested in. Um, Older men, older women, older couples, we would love that. I'm telling you, we would. Um, And that can sound like a huge responsibility, but I heard this really awesome quote a couple months ago from Andy Stanley. He said, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. You don't have to mentor or take every single young man, woman under your wing. Do it for one. And imagine if every other older man, woman, couple did the same thing. Like, we'd be set. We'd be set. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Last but not least, don't worry, I did not forget about the younger women. Our soprano section, we are coming to you right now. Verses 4 and 5. And so trained, so the older women are to so trained the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. I don't know about you, but this sounds like the perfect Mother's Day card. Moms, imagine getting a card like this today. Imagine like getting a card like this. Mom, it's so evident how much you love dad and us kids. Your example of self-control and purity inspires us to be better people. You show us we're a priority by how hard you work at home for us. Thank you for doing that. Mom, you're so kind to everyone. How? Thanks for painting such an incredible picture of how we should submit to Christ by how you submit to dad. Hallmark has nothing on that. Hallmark has nothing on that. I, uh, I got a card from my mom. This is a true story. I got a card from my mom like four years ago, and it's, it's a birthday card, and it's been sitting in my drawer ever since. Um, every year, like a month after her birthday, I'm like, man, I need to give her that card next year, and I forget. Um, and this is the card that I bought, pre- prepared card. At your age... A birthday is no laughing matter. I mean, all it takes is one chuckle and boom, there goes the bladder control. That's, that's the card I got for my mother. I think she would prefer the Titus II card. Uh, does this Titus II mother's card describe you? One, 
Love your husband and children with a committed love, a love that's by choice, not based on their worthiness, doing loving things whether or not you feel like it, putting their interests and welfare before your own, sacrificial giving. Sounds like a mom to me. Love your husband and children, too. Self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, submissive to their husbands. Now, that one's not so bad when you're submitting to a husband who is loving you and serving you like Christ loved the church. And men, that's what we're called to do. That the word of God may not be reviled. And I think it's interesting there at the end that he chooses to use the word of God. The word of God. Again, seeing a connection between our doctrine, what we believe, and how we live our lives. That connection is still there. That the word of God may not be reviled. The outside world is watching us. The outside world is watching Christians. The outside world is watching. And this goes for all of us. This is not just for young, young women. We can sing that Newsboys song. Have you guys heard this one that's been on the radio a lot lately? I love this song. Awesome song. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And it's bringing us new life. Like, I love that song. It gets me fired up. It gets me fired up. Okay, what we're going to do now is we are going to all sing that little section, okay? So it goes, we believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And he's bringing us new life. Ready? One, two, three. We believe in God the Father. We believe. Okay, we can just stop there. We can just stop there. Uh, nobody... Nobody wants to listen to that song if the harmony is off. So we can sing that. We can sing that all we want. And if there's no harmony between the doctrine we believe and how we live our lives, the world is not listening. The world is not listening to that song. It's not surprising to me that that warning... That, that the word of God may not be reviled came at the end of the young women's section. It's not surprising to me at all. Uh, what an incredible impact our families can have on the world around us. What an incredible impact our families can have on the world around us. And what an awesome responsibility for moms. What an awesome responsibility. I am so thankful that we have moms. So moms that are doing it, moms that are living this out, older moms who are passing it on, younger moms who are living it, thank you so much. Thank you so much. What an incredible testimony you guys are to, the fa- to your families, to the church body, and to the world around us. Let me leave you with a, a couple of questions. First question is, how'd you do on your report card? Older men, younger men, older women, young women, how'd we do on our report card? How does your harmony sound between the doctrine that you believe and how you live? Imagine a church where all the sections, all the parts are singing together in perfect harmony. Imagine that church where the the bass, the tenors, the altos, the, the sopranos, the older men, the young men, the older women, the young women are all singing their parts together. I'm telling you, Chad Reiser would fall over if he heard that choir. And so would Agora Hills. 
and so would Agora Hills. What an amazing sound it would be to hear the harmony of sound doctrine. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the doctrine that we have. I thank you for the truth. Um, Father God, I, I thank you for moms, and I thank you for uh, just the awesome responsibility that they have. I thank you for what they mean to us and who they are in our lives, God. God, I pray that we would leave today and that we would work on that harmony, that we would work on that harmony between what we believe and how we live, God. God, what we want to do is we want to honor you with everything that we are. Uh, we give you ourselves completely. Um, Father God, again, I just thank you for moms and I thank you for, for my mom and just what an awesome example she's been in my life, God. God, I pray for us. I pray for us as a church that we would be self-controlled. Um, I pray that we would be a church that, that disciples and that older uh, are teaching the younger. I thank you for, for the, the way that that's happening already, God. Uh, Father, we love you and we're thankful for a Mother's Day and a chance to be together. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.
is all I seek You are my everything Jesus Christ You are my one desire Lord hear my only cry To know you all my life Love so deep Is washing over me Your face is all I
Amen. Thank you for leading us in that. That's my favorite worship song right now. Love that one. Thank you so much for being here today. I hope you are blessed. Thank you, Josh, for bringing the word. I I thought I'd share one uh, quick funny story since Josh made fun of me. Uh, The the other day... uh, the other day I was in the office and some older woman from the community goes to another church and stopped by and uh, showed up in the, in the church office and, uh, and was passing on a flyer for an event. And Josh was there talking to her. I could hear him talking in the office and she's like, oh, are you the, the senior pastor here? He's like, no, I, I work with the, with the high school students. And she, go, she looked at him and said, well, I can see why our students are coming to your program. <laughs> so, so uh Pastor Studley here did a wonderful job of leading us in the, in the Word. I hope you're blessed by that, the harmony between doctrine and our life. I pray you have a wonderful Mother's Day. Moms, all the ladies are invited to take. We have chocolate bars as you're leaving today as a gift. I thought that was the best way to say thanks to moms. God bless you. Your love so deep is washing over.